Welcome to the God's Goodness Podcast, where our mission is to encourage as well as highlight God's goodness and modern-day miracles. We are your hosts, Josh and Shelley Hankins. Today we have with us a very special couple. It's Patty and Joe Barnamy, and the Holy Spirit led me to them through a friend I know, and, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading me to all the right people for this. And they just have this ministry that helps families that are facing addiction and they're bringing addiction awareness to their local communities. And we just wanted to highlight what they're doing and spread the word so maybe somebody can get help through it, actually. So with that, we'll have them open us with an opening prayer, and then we'll have them take it from there. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We ask that the Holy Spirit be upon us right now, that you fill us with your words and not our own words, Lord. You allow us to know that we are never alone when you are in our lives. So I just thank you and I praise you for Never Alone, the nonprofit faith-based organization, and also for Club 316, for all the teens that have gathered in your name. And I just give you the glory and praise for um, this day. And I'm very honored to be able to do this, to uh, spread your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, Patty, you were led to start a really cool group. What do you call it? The group? Organization. Organization. Yes. And so tell us a little bit about it and what Mm -hmm. led you to it. Well, it all started in the summer of 2010. I was working in Hancock County Schools. And during the summers, I, you know, I'm off. And so I decided I was going to start walking to get in shape. So my son had given me an iPod. And on it was this song called Never Alone that I'd never heard about heard it before. I don't even know how it got on this iPod, but it was called Never Alone by Jim Brickman. Lady Antebellum sings it. And while I was walking, I thought this is a great time for me to pray. So I started praying and I listened to the song. And as I did, I thought of a young man named Nathan Pulis. He had graduated with my middle daughter. And when his parents divorced after his senior year in high school, He got into a different crowd, and that crowd not only led to, you know, drinking and marijuana, but it led to pills and then to heroin. And Nathan lost his life when he was only 25 years old. Wow. So on that same day, I went home, and our local news, News 9, had a special on heroin addiction in our community. And so I listened in. And it didn't show the parents' faces, just their voices. Well, I recognized them. They lived down the street in my neighborhood, and my son played with their son throughout the neighborhood and played all the sports at Weir High. And after he had gotten out of high school, he was always in trouble. You know, he was like the class clown getting attention. But after when Eric got out of high school, he ended up getting into drugs and became an addict. And his parents were sharing that At that time, it was destroying the family unit, and they just didn't know what to do. But after that, I felt like God was telling me, you got to do something, even though I myself was not addicted or really basically anybody in our family. So I called News 9, and they hooked me up with this lady at Healthways, and I told her I wanted to have a walk for addiction. So a couple months after, we put together a walk. Little did I know God's plans, because on that day, we had over 400 people that walked, 
it looked like it was going to storm and rain. So one guy kept coming up to me and, oh, we're not going to be able to do this, blah, blah, blah. Well, I said, well, it's all in God's plan. The sun came out, the rainbow came out, and we had a beautiful sunny day. Mm. Little did I know we were going to make $16,000. Wow. With me. Like, yeah. I was like, what is going on here? You know? So after that, I felt like the Lord was telling me that he wanted a support group, but not like AA, because AA is basically just for those that are addicted. Mm -hmm. He pointed out he wanted a, a support prayer group for those that are addicted, family members that wanted to regain hope and trust in their loved ones again, and also for community that wanted to make a difference. So I put together the support group. We met actually every Monday night for years. I just switched it up. Oh, it's been a couple years, Joe. Yeah, right before COVID. Yeah, and it, you know, so I had been at various Catholic churches that they allowed allowed us to host the the support group there. But then when we got involved with Crossroads Church, we decided to have the meetings there, and Joe helped set up all the chairs and everything. We do it once a month. It's actually the second Monday of the month, Crossroads Church in Weirton, West Virginia. But, I mean, through all this, it's been unbelievable. I mean, so many families have come in and out of the doors. Some, their children were saved. Others have died, like Nathan. And many times, as the years, like this has been a lot of years, it's been 13 years. And at times, I was like, well, I'm going to give it up. And then God gives me something else. I mean, we were in Women's Day magazine. I thought it was a joke. And one day, I had gotten a... Facebook message from my son's friend, and she says, they would like to do a little thing in, you know, women's magazine. And I was like, oh, okay, I thought this was a joke at first, you know, but it's like God always comes through, you know, and it was like, so after a couple of years of the support group, I kept feeling like the Lord wanted to lead teenagers to get involved in this because they stopped the SAD program in the high school. So now I felt led to start a group for teens. You could share a little bit on that, Joe. Club 316. Well, we noticed some younger high school kids coming to our church and uh, I'm making shame for themselves. They'd come right up in the front rows and sit across the front and just kind of look at that. And one lady that goes to our church, her son was one of those. And she come up to Patty and she says, Christian brought some friends to church and they're looking for a group, to, they want to start a group, and I told them to see you. So they talked to her. Their first group was about four or five. We met at the dining room table, ordered pizza, and they told her what they what they would like to do, and she says, we can do that. We can have it right here at our house, and they liked that. They liked that idea of being in someone's home. And the first night, it was a Sunday evening. It was about 6.30. Eleven kids showed up. And they agreed to have it every two weeks. The second week, 21 kids were sitting in our basement in a circle. And I have a nice size rec room, but that was the max. And uh, they talked that they were each going to bring somebody. And I told her, I says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because they wanted to be in a home. And I don't blame them. I believe it's a lot more intimate. They feel welcome. Had a lot of people throw some donations to us in snacks and water and candies, money for Bibles. It was picked up by a lot of people. It was unbelievable. And so it it's taken off. We've had about four four group meetings. Had a little sponsor talk. 
they've asked for speakers. One kid asked for someone to talk about the future and jobs and everything, which was a surprise. And they like it. They like it. Had one the other night. We had 24 kids there. So Wow. The amazing thing with these kids, and Patty got to speak in the high school last week. He was talking to a friend of mine who was still a teacher there. And he said, there's a group of kids out there looking for something different. And that's what this one fellow told us. He said, we're looking for something different. So they're coming to church on a regular basis. They're influencing kids to to seek this different thing. And we're trying to be as positive influence on them as we can. But our daughter, who's an interim pastor at our, our church, had noticed these kids coming. And then they noticed a few other people with them. And she said, we're, we've switched here a little bit. She said, it used to be parents would bring kids to school, take kids to your church. She said, I'm looking at these kids that are coming by themselves, and then I'm seeing them next week with a mother or a father or a brother or a sister or an aunt. And it's like this: these kids are, are searching and then getting their parents to come with them, which is total opposite of the way it was when we grew up. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. We've had a lot of our guests come on, and, you know, when they were teens and younger— they didn't have a lot of friends that, you know, iron sharpens iron, and they didn't have a lot of friends they found that were seeking the same things they were. You know, it was a lot of secular things, and it was hard to find friends that wanted to learn more about Jesus and things like that. So it's a great outlet for them to have. Well, the story was this one boy, Malachi is his name, he decided, and he wasn't a churchgoer, he just decided one morning that he wanted to come to church. So he went and got a, uh, one of his friends, Ava, and then Christian's mother comes to our church, but he was the type that only came Christmas or Easter, mm-hmm. that type of thing, so never, you know, never would come. And then Christian's cousin was a believer, and I'll never forget Landon, our pastor of the past, had been praying and all of a sudden, she reached out her hands and she started praying for Landon. Well, he just, his tears were flowing. The Holy Spirit touched him. Well, then when Malachi and Christian came and Ava, it was the same thing. Just one day, their, their tears were just coming down their faces, you know. And Malachi was the quarterback of Weir High's football team. And so he said that he wanted to pray before the games. I said, well, just gather around, sit around. And there was like just maybe one or two with him. Well, as the season went on and on, it was almost the whole team that gathered around him and prayed before the games. So it's just like, um, I just feel like there's a revival with young people right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, they're, they're seeking more. And you know, the, the sad thing is this, I mean, we were just, News 9 came the other night for our Christmas gathering. And the kids got to be on TV, and then we did a group thing, like, and we all yelled 316, John 316. And one girl told me yesterday at her school, the teacher had seen this on TV, and she made the comment, well, there are some kids on there that aren't very good, or something like that, negative. And she looked at her, Kennedy, and she looked at her and she says, she says, well, everybody can change. God gives us more chances than one like that. And I was like, all right, you go, girl, you know, because that was the right thing to say. Absolutely. It reminds me of that sick people are the ones who go to the hospital, right? 
people are out of shape are the ones that need the gym. Well, there's a lot of hypocrites in church because that's where they need to be. And so to, to criticize someone for being something that you think a Christian isn't is ludicrous without you experiencing that life for yourself. Well, she said, she said afterwards, that teacher, when she said that, she just looked at Kennedy and went, oh, like that. And you're correct. I mean, so many times people in church will be so judgmental. That's one thing with Never Alone. People says, a lot of people say to me, you know, well, you don't care if you have to hang out with this one or that one. And I said, who did Jesus hang around with? He didn't care. That's how you get healed. That's how you learn to love one another. You know, so what difference does it make? I tell the kids all the time, I was in everybody's crowd. I wasn't with the kids that weren't so popular. You know, I was with the kids that were popular. It didn't matter to me. You know, and that's how I live my life. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And God will use anybody. Yes. You know, take all the characters of the Bible. Some were murderers, some were adulterers. You know, he'll just yes. use anybody. Some were all of the above. Exactly. Exactly right. And you know what, too? It's like so many times I question God. I'll go, well, why did you put me in this ministry never alone? You know, I'm not an addict. I've learned a lot in my life you know, with being 60-some years old. But, and he keeps telling me, you don't have to have a degree. You didn't have to go to college to do this. And I'm just like, I'm totally amazed. And with these kids, here I am in my 60s, and I feel like I'm their mother hen or something, you know, but a friend too, that they, they like me. And I'm like, I'm totally amazed, you know, how the, these relationships are happening. Mm-hmm. Well, he knew how you were going to respond, and that's why he chose you. Why did he pick you? Because he knew you'd say yes, right? Otherwise, it'd be somebody else doing it, and we'd be talking to somebody else right now. But you said yes. You had it on your heart, and you leaned into it, and you prayed about it, and he told you that this is what he wants you to do, and you had no idea, no background, no clue, just a heart, a heart for God and a heart for community. And this is where he led you. This is why you do it, because he knew that you would choose him back. Same reason why he says that he chooses us, right? Well, God chose us, okay? Well, it's because he knew we'd choose him back. And if you think of some of these kids, maybe that's why they're choosing it. They know they've erred, and they know they were going down the wrong road, and nobody's leading them to the right road, and they're going to find their own way. And where do they go? They went to a church, and what did they find? They found that person that cared. We hope, you know, to see that, that they continue in it. And I firmly believe that everybody deserves a second chance. Oh, well, according to the gospel, they need a seventh chance, you know. And, and, and a lot of us do need that. And I love what you guys do, especially with the kids, because... That's our future. Well, not just that, but so many feel so alone, right? They, they feel alone. They feel like there's no outlet. They feel like no one understands. They feel like no one is listening, yeah. right? They feel like... The, the whole world is against them sometimes. And we are created in the image of God. So we are very spiritual beings. And if we don't turn to the, the great spirit, God Almighty, right. we're going to turn to a different spirit. Exactly and, right. and I love that you give them an outlet that shows them the truth, the only truth, the truth that matters for the rest of their eternity, right? Exactly. And I will continue to pray for your ministry that these, these kids that come, that they continue to have a relationship beyond the ministry for the children, that they, that maybe even they branch out and, and 
create their own little pockets and their own little parts of the community so that this is something that can spread and grow, like you were saying, uh, uh, like a revival, yes. right? Well, to me, a revival is global, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just community. It's not just my neighborhood. So I, 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 think, I think you're right. I think our country is headed towards a revival because we're fed up with the evil. And a lot of us are leaning into the teachings of Christ because the alternative isn't working, Right. And, and so we're going to look into it and say, well, what will work? You know, maybe these Christians aren't so crazy. Right. So in the thousands of years that Christianity has been, what have we taught? We've, well, we've taught marriage, which stopped the raping of women. Right. We, and, and the monogamy aspect of it. Right. We've taught that, that we can't treat slaves in a certain way. Right. You can't, we, we have all these moral, ethical things that, that have come out of Christianity that people want to slam Christianity for that we're going to turn back to and say, hey, maybe this isn't so bad. Yes. Well, you know what's so neat, too? After when I started the support prayer group, it was like, okay, God kept saying about the teens. You know how long it took before this teen group started? 13 years. Hmm. 13 years. You know what? The fruit wasn't there. It's these kids that have come, you know, Malachi, Christian, Landon, Ty, I mean, Ava, and Lily, you know, and Cole. I mean, there's so many of them. But you know what? They want to be there. They want to come. And that's what's so beautiful about it. You know, I mean, like we've talked about depression. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about, you know, like Joe said, careers and their future goals. And one speaker came, and she came from a really bad, bad home. And she had become an addict. She didn't have any self-worth no self-confidence. And it was funny, just the other day, we went to Weir High and Oak Glen High Schools in our Hancock County. And one girl had come up and she was seeking help for a family member. But I asked her, I says, why don't you join Club 316? And she said, she looked at me and I knew she came from a family that didn't have a lot of money or whatever. And she says, because some kids in that group don't like me. Hmm. So I looked at her And I said, well, I like you already. I says, I would love for you to come and give it a try. And I says, the whole scenario of the group is to love one another and treat others the way you want to be treated. That's going to be our next topic Mm. and in January. And I was like, she says, well, I won't have a ride. I says, I'll come pick you up. So I'm praying that I get that opportunity you know, to minister to her because she's a senior this year and, you know, I don't know what will go on after she gets out of school. But you know what? That That's it. I mean, if we treat others the way we want to be treated, I think it'd be a better world. Absolutely. Can you imagine the, the expression on her face, the healing that she'll feel if they accept her, right? If they show her that love, if they could grant her that second chance, Right. The one that they were striving for, that they got, and they looked at her in the same light. Can you imagine the, the sense of belonging she would adapt in that environment, the healing that she would get, the growth that she would get? I think that's that right there is beautiful to think of that. That's amazing. That's not only just her, those that were holding that against her. Oh, yeah. If they make the change, then yeah. it makes it comes great. Absolutely. Yeah, that forgiveness, that's not that's for you. That's right. If you're holding a grudge against somebody, that's not usually hurting them. It's usually only hurting you. Yeah. It eats you up inside when you do that. When you don't, you know, you can't forgive somebody. 
it does. It eats you up. It's exhausting. Yes. It's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yes. God is very good about taking care of us. And, and the moral law, the Ten Commandments, weren't designed to hold us back from living life to the fullest, but were designed to keep us from harming ourselves and harming others, right? And the same can be said with, with any of the rules that he gives us that are, are the rules that we still live in today, like forgive others as I forgive you, right? Because it does hurt us. It hurts us in the long run. It hurts us deep. And when we hold on to things like that, especially if you're on the other side and you think someone isn't forgiving you for something you did, that can be painful as well. And and I can see it affecting a teenager who is struggling with self-identity, struggling with self-worth, struggling with where they fit in this giant world, right? Because, hey, I'm in this little Hancock County, but all of a sudden they realize I'm, especially with social media as big as this, this is a really big planet. And it will cause a lot of frustrations and loneliness and fears to erupt to the surface, if not for a balance, for an anchor, for a stabilization through Jesus and through fellowship with others. Right. Yeah. Just love what you guys do with that. Yeah. Thank you. So one other thing about going back to Never Alone, it's definitely there to help those that are addicted and uh, help is available. And if it, doesn't come right from Patty, but she makes connections for them to get the help. Now, of course, they got to want to grow, mm-hmm. go. There's a little bit of fund that she can work with. She can get them in there, pay, maybe pay their first month or get them to the area where they need to go. And it works. But what I'm learning is happening is the parents are coming to the group now. So we kind of forget about the parents. And about a month ago, there was, oh my, six or seven parents in there and three or four of their children were out. They don't know where they're at. They're, addic- they're addicted, you know, and they're always going to get help, but they never get it. So as you go around the group and you pray for them and you pray for them, I say, guys, we've got to pray for mom and dad that are sitting here. I'm going to use myself as an example. I can go home and I can put my head on my pillow and I'm going to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Gene goes home, can't put his head on his pillow. He doesn't know where Sarah's at. He doesn't know who she's with. He doesn't know what time of the day he might get a phone call from a morgue. This group can help a lot more than just the addict. Gives parents comfort to be able to come, to be able to express their opinions with other parents that are going through the same thing. And I think the biggest thing they learned was the enabling parts. I've had seen parents come in there and say, it took me a long time to quit being the enabler. And that helps the next parent because they're doing the same thing. So they're hearing it from direct victims. Yeah, like just this week, I had two calls. One was a grandmother and the other was a mom. And they said, Patty, you know, okay. They said, yeah, they, they'll they meet with you, okay. So I got, you know, got my things in order and the next day I was supposed to meet with her and another guy that helps me to find places for them to detox and rehab. And she canceled. So she says, oh, the following day I'll meet. Same thing, same thing. And the mother has had it. I mean, she says, she just can't live here anymore. I can't do anymore. She's wearing me down, you know. And the grandmother, she had messaged me and asked if, you know, I could help her granddaughter. And I said, sure, I'll be happy to. Give her my phone number. She never called. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you're talking about not kids that are in their 20s, you know, and up. And it's like they just don't take any responsibility anymore. 
They leave their children with the grandparents to raise. And it's just the spiritual warfare Mm. is powerful right now. And I don't know. People don't believe in that, too. Maybe the ones that do not really know the Lord one-on-one. I think they ignore all that stuff in life. Clearly. Yeah. To me, it's obvious. You know, before we we actually sat down, I told you a story about a man that, that was trying to quit. And he gave me a little packet of heroin. And I went to go get rid of it. And as soon as it was next to my head to throw it down, my first thought was, I wonder what it's like, right? I don't do heroin. I don't have desire to do heroin. I'm an EMT now. I do a lot of Narcan. I've seen a lot of effects in the families. So I, you know, dismiss that thought, put it in my head again to slap it back down. And my thought was, I wonder how much I can get for it. And I thought, nope, got to get rid of it. And so I feel definitively that there is essences of the enemy in this spiritual battle attached to these things that make it virtually impossible for someone who does not walk with Jesus to quit these addictive things, that you need to have a relationship with Jesus. And, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter because he meets you where you are, right? Because while we were still sinners, he came and died for us, right? Not once did it say, hey, when we cleaned our lives up, he decided to open the door and come on in, right? He, we got the good furniture out with grandma's furniture with the plastic on it, you know what I mean? You got the showroom. I remember, we're Italian. Yeah. <laughs> And we don't want to set Jesus at any other part of our house that is a, a shambles, right? Because we're massive hoarders onto the things that we like in our life, the things that we think make us who we are, and we're afraid to let him in. And really, all he wants to do is partner with us in cleaning the garbage out. It's so it's such a beautiful thing that we have him to combat something as horrific. I think it's horrific as as addiction because addiction causes shame, yeah. guilt, isolation, loneliness, never alone. And these are the things that keep them from getting the help that they need. And the communities that they are in just encourages more of the same behavior. And so when they try to break free and they're, they're doing well, all it takes is one friend to have a bad day and say, hey, you want to do this with me? You know, I don't believe any of them are deliberately trying to get someone hooked for getting hooked's sake. I think if they could, they would all be free as soon as they could. And I think it's a struggle for all of them. I don't think anybody willingly says, I'm glad I'm an addict. You know, like, can't wait to start this again. Oh, man, I can't wait till the pain sets in. I need to go steal something for this or or work until I get fired for this. Or, you know, nobody, I think, wakes up thinking this is this is a, a good choice for me and I'm glad I made it. Yeah, it's not going to be there. They don't want that in their lives, mm-hmm. you know. The thing that you said is most important is the power of Jesus in their life. Yeah. So the success rate for addicts is, is bad. It's bad. I've seen kids go through this organization, five, six different rehab places and still fall out and they're still out of it. But the ones that can get to a faith-based rehabilitation center, you got to go get detox, which is going to be a public place. You got to get to that faith-based detox center. I mean, faith-based rehab center. And when you take Jesus in, then your enemies are gone and their enemies is all that true. Well, it helps. It helps. You know, it's a spiritual force, you know, that can help you. That's like our scripture is we can do all things through Christ who strengthen us. And that's Philippians 4.13. That was the, the scripture the Lord gave me for never alone. Because we can't do anything on our own. That's why I try to tell the kids too. Even my grandkids, you know, they're in the sports and everything. And I preach to them, you can't do it on your own. You have to ask Jesus to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when they take that seriously... And realize what Nana's saying, 
then they'll see that that force of the Holy Spirit's really going to help them if it's in a wrestling match or basketball, baseball, whatever it may be, you know, but mm-hmm. until you realize that. You can't succeed without Jesus. No. Yes. You can absolutely do it on your own. See how far that gets you. See where your life is now without him. Now, why are you here? Because you didn't have him then. That's right. And it's important that if you don't want to stay here and you want to move on, that you would you adopt him, you invite him into your life, that you want to be in the very near presence of God, that you want to be adopted as a son or a daughter, that you want the life that Jesus Christ has set his life aside for you for. You want him to take the wrath of God, and you want to be free of that sin, not just free from sin, but free from sin itself, right? I think we all want that as Christians, is is to live out that gospel story, the gospel message. Uh, And it's very difficult when we're so constrained, this is the trick of the enemy, that we're so constrained with this fight against this enemy that nobody else can possibly fathom. Right, nobody else is going through this, and it's the same for addiction. It's the same for any other weird idiosyncrasy that you do that you are not alone. That there are millions of people that suffer the same as you. Like you are not alone, and Jesus still died for all of them. You know, we all like to say that if you were the last person or the only person, or God still would have sent Jesus to die for you, right? But not a lot of people think that if He died for you, you were the one that killed Him. Yes, and He has still died for you knowing that you killed him. That right there is is baffling. Yes, it is so true. And you know what? I think people don't want to even think about that, that he died for our sins. People that don't know him, because they don't want to acknowledge that. You know, it's not part of the world in a way. You know, this is all spiritual stuff. And, mm-hmm. and some people just don't have time. They go into the material world mm-hmm. and they forget about who made them. And who gives them the blessings that we are blessed with? Yeah, when I first became a Christian, I didn't struggle with that he died for us. I struggled with why did he have to? If God is so great, before I was a Christian, if God is so great, why did Jesus need to come? Why couldn't he just like, boom, you're done. You're forgiven. Just like, you know, my wife does something. I'm like, you know what? I forgive you. No, no sweat. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to die for me. Nobody has to die for you. I forgive you. Right? So I had a hard time understanding why Jesus needed to die. And I think that's something that, you know, I don't think you need to be a theologian, but it's something you should look at and understand why he had to die and why this was part of God's plan for us. Right. So that when people have the questions that I had, you're able to go, I'm glad you asked. You know what? That's a good point. You know what? Today in church, too, my daughter, Liana, she's the network pastor at Ohio Valley Crossroads in Weirton. And at towards the end of the service, she shared about I have to say this. Sometimes Christians are like, well, if you don't know the scripture, then what good are you doing or whatever? But she said today, you might not know the scripture as well, but if you share more or less the love of Jesus to others and talk about Jesus, share about him, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course you want to read scripture too. I'm not saying that, but sometimes people feel like if you don't know the scripture as well as they do, that you're not considered as Christian, you know, or good enough to be sharing about it. Exactly. If you're going to apologetics, absolutely study your scripture because you're going to need to defend every single point that they can possibly make. But if you're going into true discipleship, Jesus says, go and make disciples of the nation. But first, I want you to be a theologian. I need you to learn Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew, and, yeah. and I need you to study every single word. You need to understand every single thing. You need to understand this song and this poem, and you need to understand why I did it this way. No, go and make disciples, right? And if you don't know something, look it up together. 
Exactly. I'm real bad at remembering where I find scripture. I'm real bad at that. And I love to quote Jesus, you know, because he never said, hey, it's written in Isaiah. He said, no, it is written, right? He just said, it is written. And so I tease. They didn't have things numbered like we do now. Yeah, right. But it is important to read scripture to know it so that you're not easily deceived. Yes. Spiritual guide. Correct. I tell my son, if I bake you a pie, it was 99% pie, but 1% dog feces, would you eat that pie? No. Because you know there's 1%, but if I don't tell you it's in there, you'd eat it and not even know. Exactly. So if you read your scriptures, and you don't have to be studious, just read. Just you know, give them a passage a day, right? Start your day with a, a Bible verse and, and read that. Because exactly. then it's harder for me to believe that, that oh, it's 99% truth, but that 1% lie. Well, then why are you telling me the truth? Because you're trying to use it against God and against his kingdom. And, and it's good to know that. I have a men's life group and I have one guy in there and, you know, we love the group and we get along and we can air things out and, you know, we're all Christians. And he said, if we're not reading a word, sitting here does, does no good. And so he challenged us one time. We meet every seven days. He said, we're going to take the book of Ephesians, which has six chapters. He says, and we're going to read one chapter a day. That means tomorrow you get chapter one, Saturdays two, Sundays three, and so on. And Wednesday will be chapter six, and we'll meet back here next Thursday, and we'll see how well we did. That has not stopped. That's like two and a half years running. It's just what you said. It's one chapter a day. That's all you have to do. What do we got? Fifty verses is probably the most in a, in a book, except Psalms. So, yeah, Psalms, Psalms is, is forever. A long. Psalms is forever. But it's made a difference in like eight men's lives, like you wouldn't believe just reading that chapter. And sometimes you get in a slump. And wouldn't you know it, the devil's right there attacking you. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Why is this happening? And, and one guy will call and uh, say, it'll say, hey, I haven't seen you post anything online. Get away from the word? Yeah. Well, you asked for it then. Get back to the word. Get back to the word, Joe. And it works. It works. So she gave Bibles to these kids last week. And that was what the goal for them to do is to read one chapter a day. And we'll see where it leads us. That's all we can It's a beginning. You know, it's a beginning. And you know what? It was so neat, too, with picking the name for the teen group. They One kid had picked a name, and then another mom, God bless her, Angie, had thought about Tim Tebow and hit the club, you know, under John 316. So the kids chose that, Club 316, after John. But they amaze me sometimes. You know, it's just like sometimes... I know I I wasn't feeling good. I was having a tooth problem, and one of them messaged me, and he says, how are you doing? And that meant so much to me because, you know, I I always think about them if they're having a basketball game or if they're feeling down or whatever. But when somebody young like that reached out to me, that really touched my heart. A lot of adults don't even do that. You're absolutely right. I'm guilty of that. Sometimes it's the spouses. (laughs) I could admit it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm real bad at that. You know, I really am good at that with trying to keep in touch with, you know, I'm like Joe, I'm a life group leader too for women. And one of the ladies, she fell and and she's in a wheelchair. And I know she has such a very difficult time. She's such a beautiful soul, you know, but she's hurting so bad. She was a teacher and an outstanding mom. So it's so hard sometimes, you know, I pray for her. I try to witness to her, but it's like, we're not living her life. And she is so excited that her Landon is involved in Club 316. 
and he's going to be one of the leaders, I'm sure. I think this is just another reason why you were chosen for this. You know, that you have that thought of other people, that you have that compassion for other people. You can think about them and empathize without having to do it, right? Without the understanding of similar pains or hardships, but you can empathize deeply that this is another reason why God said, hey, Patty, I got something for you. And will you do it? And, you know, yep, here, here we are. And another part, sure, it didn't take off for 13 years. But how long did Abraham wait to have his son that, promised, that God promised him? You know, how long and how old was he? Right. So I love that you're not taking into consideration as a limiting factor. Right. That you stayed at it. 13 years later, stayed at it. You didn't have a kid with the other midwife. You had this with the original intent that, that God had given you and that your heart is still in it. And, and I love how vulnerable you are when you say that sometimes you have these moments where you feel like you just want to space it and be done with it. And because that's a very real thing. You're a human being. And, and yet God calls you and, and prompts you and motivates you and keeps you going on the path by putting other things in your path that you cannot ignore. And, and I love how he does that for you. And I love how you respond to it. And if I can just encourage you to continue on doing it as if it was your first day, right? If you can continue on doing it as if you're working on for the Lord, you know, that, that passage, you work as if you're working for him. Well, you are. And he sees the things that you're doing. And a lot of the times we don't realize all the good that we do, right? A lot of times you'll see someone walk out that door and you'll never see him again, but you have no idea the something that you could have started in them just by having that door open and God available to him in that moment that four years later, they might find themselves in an alley and they're like, this is it, I'm done. And they walk into a church and they give their life to Jesus and their life is completely transformed because you planted that seed. And I wanted to encourage you to continue to do that with, with unwavering faith. And if you ever need to call, you know, call Shelly, I'll, I'll be glad to pray for you. I'll be glad to talk to you. I'll be glad to, to encourage you. I have a few spiritual gifts in that department. I would be more than happy to help you out with that. I'm really bad about thinking about it myself, so you have to do the legwork and call me first, but I am always in the moment if you do. A few years back, I had had surgery done and I was at home, you know, and I I needed care. And she was sitting on the, the opposite couch for me one day and I was going through some cards that I had got when I was in the hospital and everything. And she was working. She says, you know what? She says, I think I'm going to give up. Never alone. She says, you need my help and I got to be here for you. And I'm reading all these cards of all these people that are praying for me. So I know I'm in good hands. And I looked at her and I says, what about the people that need help? She says, well, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like I need to be here. And I says, Patty, I'm recovering. I'm doing good. Those people need you. They don't have anyone else to call. And she said, it had been like a quiet time period, like nobody had been bothering her. And sure enough, like the next morning, his phone was ringing. Person needs help. Phone's ringing. Person needs help. Phone rings again. She looked at me. She come downstairs and she says, you know, you told me I couldn't give this up. And I told you I was, she says, I've got three people to take care of right now. And it happened again just a couple years ago. We were riding in the car and she says, I think I'm about ready to give this up. To who? To who? Who's going to do this? And we didn't even get to our destination. She got a phone call. She calls him Godwinks. It's Godwinks. So that's why she's still here today. Just like Isaiah. Who shall I send? Yeah. Shall I send? I'm here. Peter worked through jail to write the Bible. He spent all that time doing that. He didn't give up. Well, you know what? That's it, too. Like, people will say, oh, this is a coincidence. And in never loan meetings and stuff, I'm telling the kids this now, too. It's God winks. 
God is winking at us. He has an assignment for us. So we got to get to work. Yeah, I don't believe in coincidences over some side of a Christian. Not at all. No. It's cool how he works all the relationships together. You know, you lead people to the resources they need. And it's just all life is about relationships, you know, because that's how you got here. Shelly, that's it. From Kathy, she's in my women's group. It's We called our group a name, and we call it Faith Over Fear, mm-hmm. especially for Angie, that, you know, we're praying for a miracle that she'll be able to get out of that wheelchair someday. So we're praying for healing. So that's why we... But if it wasn't for her associating us to connect with you, I would have never met you and Josh. The Holy Spirit's really strong working, working things together in your lives right now. It's pretty busy. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, it's like, Lord, what do you have next? That's the better attitude. Yes. What's next? Instead of saying why, we should say how. How do you want to use me in this? How can I serve you in this? Instead of why did this happen? Yes. All right. Well, this happened. How would you like me to move forward? How am I going to deal? What do I do? What do I do? You know, keep praying. How am I going to bring you glory with this, Papa? I need some help. That's right. What would it be like to bring him back in the school building? In the public buildings. I don't think he ever should have left. You know what? So he created everything. Right. And so therefore we have the laws of nature because he created them. And if nature abhors a vacuum, right? So if you take extreme good out of school, what gets sucked into it? And the evidence is out there. You took God out of school and this is what's going on. This is a, a direct relation to what you guys wanted, right? This is, we can't have this. This is, why don't you do what I did when growing up and just ignore it, right? I was raised Buddhist. I didn't pray when they prayed. They just ignored it. But I showed them respect and they gave them their moment. And I, you know, they put you by your head, you're like, all right, well, I'm not going to say things and start talking in the middle of it. I wasn't rude. My my parents taught me better than that, but it wasn't for me. You can have your moment. It's only going to last a minute. I sat in on a round table. There was a particular group up there that was wanting the, the uh, Ten Commandments out of the classrooms and everything. So people were dialogue, dialogue, back and forth and everything. And I stood up. Just God stood me up. Maybe that's a better way to put it. And I says, you know why you want the Ten Commandments out of the classrooms, out of the schools? I says, because you can't alter them. There isn't enough words to change the true meaning of thou shalt not kill. And they, everybody got quiet, and all of a sudden some, they started clapping. And I didn't mean it to become that way. I was just angry at these people that were trying to force this down our throat. And a couple of people come up to me afterwards. He says, we never thought of it that way. You're right. You can't alter thou shalt not kill. You know, yeah, you, thou shalt not kill unless your spouse is done. No, it doesn't go that way. There's not enough words. To unless they had it really coming. <laughs> that's what we need to get back into school, and that's what they need to probably recite every day and keep God in in America. Well, your 316 group would be a lot smaller if they did. And I'd be okay with that. I'm sure you would too. Well, John 316, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. Love that one. And I like that you went on to 317, because I cannot read 16 without 17. Cannot, because it's one of my favorite ones. Go go on, this is important, because he did not come condemn the world, but to save it through him. And a lot of us feel condemned. Exactly. And judged, you know, judged is a big thing too. Philippians 3.13, I have not yet reached my goal, 
but I continue to strive for what's ahead for me. It's where we need to go. Every day. Even when it's hard, you want to give up. Every day that we're on this side of the dirt is blessing. Anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. It has been a pleasure to meet you guys finally. And I'm just glad that we got connected the way we did. Godwin, yeah, like he's working through this podcast. And I just pray that the right people hear this message and then they can share it with people that it can help because it can inspire others to seek that help and help others. Shelley, that's the thing, though. It, it seems like it's so hard to get them to come through the door because of the shame. I should have mentioned that. Shame is a big thing with them coming to our meetings or even calling me. You know, and yet in a small community, you hear who's using, and it, it's like it's not really a secret, mm-hmm. but they're afraid to come forward because of the shame and guilt. But you have to start somewhere. If you're going to get help, why not start with people that are out there willing to help? And to love you no matter what, not to judge you. Through some of her fundraisers, she's had speakers come in, ex-addicts and everything, and they'll take that uh, mic, and they'll be in a room, and there might be a community center. We've had probably 150, 200 people there. And the first thing they'll say is, if what I say today helps one person in this crowd... The trip I made was worth it. And we're talking about guys that come from Florida. Yeah. Get some of those other places. And that rang a bell with me. That rang a bell with me. That guy's come and taking time out of his life, hoping for one person to get saved in this room. That's how Sam is. Now, I know you guys are going to be connected with Sam. He was on a few episodes ago. I know Sam Gatano. He's our number one so far. <laughs> Joan lives right now. He is something else. I loved his story. I sat there and listened. I haven't gotten to listen to any, but because we are Italian, I had to listen to hear what Sam had to say. He's got a great message. Yes, he does. Powerful. Yeah. If God loves him, Ooh. then who who are you to say your sin is worse? Right? Who are you to 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 say, like, well, I've done so much, you have no idea. Like, you have no idea. I know. I was like like this. I worked in a courthouse, and uh, we were partnered with the workforce board, of people that had issues. You know, they needed to get some work experience. So we, we took one in to help us. I don't know who we're getting, and I don't know what they've been involved in. And I really didn't know the magnitude of it. But the person that we got was a felon, and it was because of drugs, and the sheriff's department and the safety police at the courthouse stopped me when I came in one day and they says, you know, the person upstairs is a felon because she, she worked in our office. And I says, no, I don't know that. I said, we just asked for someone. We're giving them 60 days to get their life, you know, get their job experience. And he said, well, this could be a problem. I said, why would it be a problem? Come from the state. And uh, they checked out her record in that. And he said, well, we'll give this a try here. I said, she was not going to be working with money, so you don't have to worry. I says, but we'll see where it goes. And I looked at him and I says, you know, everyone deserves a chance. And he looked at me and he says, you're right, Joe. I said, thank you. We kept that girl for about 150 days. We got her her GED. I sat with her in a room and I said, what is your going like? She said, to get my GED. I said, I can make that happen. I made a call to the Career Center, which is right up the road from us. Our girls took her back and forth from school. She got her GED. 
She was so excited to get it, she mailed for her own diploma, even though they get it with the class. And she says, I want to get my CDL. I says, we can make that happen there too. She got her CDL and she got a job. The day she left the courthouse, we had a party. The guy that told me what we were up against up there come into that room and said, I didn't believe. I had my doubts when you come in here. He said, but I see you've changed your life. He says, I want to tell you something. You ever have a problem outside of here, you get in a pickle, you call my number, you have it. He said, I'll be there to help you. I got two people with one girl. That's awesome. Can't be afraid to talk. Can't be afraid to spread. No, you cannot be ashamed of the gospel. The quote you said about disciples, mm-hmm. that's Crossroads. Quote, when we leave, yeah, our vision, when we leave the church, the pastor recites that to go out and be disciples to others. You're yeah. done being the church in here, now go out and be the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make disciples, make them. Very important. Yeah, so good. Well, thank you for joining us. And if this has been a blessing to you, we ask that you share it with someone that came to your mind. And also we have a fundraising campaign that helps us pay for the expenses of editing the audio and to pay for the equipment that's still not all paid off. So anyway, if you go to givesendgo.com and look up God's Goodness Podcast, you can make a financial donation and that would be a blessing as well. And we hope you enjoyed this and tune in next time. Thank you.